This podcast represents the opinions of our hosts and guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice and is for informational purposes only. This podcast also does not establish a standard of care, doctor-patient or client relationship. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast or website. And because each person is so unique, all listeners are encouraged to connect with counseling and medical professionals for assistance with their personal journey. All people, places, and scenarios mentioned in the podcast have been changed to protect the privacy of those involved. Welcome to We're Not Fine. I'm Dr. Talia Jackson. And I'm Doug Jensen. We thank you for listening every week to our deep and thought-provoking conversations about relationships. Welcome back, friends. So we are back with Angela, and yes. I'm going to introduce you yet again because Fantastic. this is episode two yes. on ethical non-monogamy consensual non-monogamy, polyamory. I cannot wait to continue this conversation because today's topic is primarily going to be about jealousy in a way that is so critically important. Yeah. What a very, very complicated emotional experience that is. But I want to reiterate that you are a creative, an artist, a musician. You're learning to play the guitar. You're a psychotherapist in private practice, and you've had your own podcast on polyamory. So for those of you who did not see the previous episode, who jumped ahead because jealousy was your topic you wanted to talk about um because that'll happen that'll happen for sure, sure I, am, will. I am saying all of that to uh, and of course we are both fans of the rock and <laughs> you know in the last hour i can tell you he did contact me um because he watched the yeah sorry. Oh, did you see magic i did <laughs> and they're already in jealousy. a jealousy jealousy <laughs> that was an easy flow uh-huh. this is what uh-huh. it looks like this uh-huh yeah yep but i love it Talia, I have been so intrigued in wanting to hear about something that happened to you recently. Oh, yes. You mean... You mean... Quebec? I mean Quebec. It is Quebec. I know. It is Quebec. <laughs> you know, sometimes when you're surrounded by Minnesotans, you like to say it a Minnesotan way so that other people can understand you. But I suppose that's true. You should pretty often default defer to seeing it the correct way, which is Quebec and Quebecois. So I did. I had a really fun little jaunt. I the first secret I've ever successfully kept in my life, my husband is turning 50, and I surprised him with a trip to Quebec. And it was so much fun. And I success I got away with it. That's, I got away with it. Yeah, that's craziness. But he did start getting really suspicious at the very last minute because I said a couple things that I shouldn't have said. I said cobblestone, which I think gave some of it away. He also, I bought some little thing at a spa, like just to reserve us a yep. spot at the spa, which was the most miraculous spot in the world of anyone. Yep. It was called Strom. Um, Nordique Spa, Ooh. and it was like this, you could be there for eight hours going into these thermal baths, Ooh. and there were these infrared chairs and hammocks. I'd like 24 hours. Same. Right? With the rock. Absolute. <laughs> I have that in my imagery. Because I forgot to mention <laughs> there with me swinging on a well, swinging, swinging hammock. Oh, swinging. That's my husband. Yeah. That's clever in relation to today's topic. I feel like the most mm-hmm. memorable part about this trip, other than the fact that Rob's best friend, who's Leslie's husband. Who I adore, and I call her Goldilocks. Yeah. Who, by the way, on a video that you gave me, said Doug who. Yeah, that was a real downer for you because. I got you. If Jay only. <laughs> knew that you have thought that he is a glorious specimen he's right, a glorious specimen right and so i expected him to say oh 
I oh, dug Doug. the person that I equally think is attractive. And, and we were all at a bar and I was like, Doug, yeah, blah, 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 look at everybody. But anyway, guess what Jay did? You'll never guess. I do know because you told me, so oh, say right. that to Angela. Guess what Jay did. What did so, do? so we showed up with Rob, or it was just Rob and I. It was really hard getting there. Air Canada, or as we now call it, Air Cantida. That like <gasps> Candida? Candida, cancel, delay, whatever. The flight, yep. we ended up having to drive from Montreal to Quebec. Anyway, long story short, we get there and then slowly all of the friends started to arrive and surprise him. Yeah. And so um, Jay came in to the bar that we were hanging out in dressed as an old man with a really bad wig and this ridiculous beard and these even more ridiculous eyebrows. And he came in, tripped over Rob's chair on purpose. Rob picked him up and he was like are you okay and then Rob and I by the way I guess what these bazoolas did the entire six minutes of this charade that he was doing I had my camera right oh. here taking a video of I'm the like, entire thing I was really trying to answer that in my head and yeah. I could not figure out what you could do with a multi-purpose Multi-purpose, okay, there right, like a shelf okay. in that way. Mm -hmm. Anyway, it was like the best surprise ever. So it was I love six that minutes, so it was so cute. Yep. And Aww. it was really beautiful. And then our other friends surprised him later that day. But I would say the most interesting thing that I learned in Quebec is what a squall is. And I was like- Is that a small chicken? Yes. <laughs> a squab. That's a squab. Oh, right, yes. Yes. So if anyone doesn't know what a squall is, and you should maybe check into that before you start packing, because I thought that 65 to 75 degrees was going to be pretty easily transferred. I love that. Yeah, actually. Yeah. Perfect. Well, with a squall, yeah. it was so fucking cold. We were dying. We were going to every single store in downtown Quebec, which is so beautiful. And I bought myself gloves and a scarf and a hat. Oh my goodness. And the squall is basically like wind. It's anywhere from, I don't know, 25 miles an hour. So when you're sitting outside, you have to hold on to your plate and your cup because it will most likely fly away. I actually saw the video of you kind of spinning up in the air, <laughs> like a whirlwind and then Mary with no umbrella. And you're just magic. like getting ridden up there. Oh my God, it was magic. Anyway, it was really fun. That I sounds really fun. I, I recommend little weekends away and trying out surprising someone who is always the one in charge of planning trips. Mm. I, was, I feel really That's a happy real birthday good. to Rob, who is an extraordinary birthday. podcast husband to me. He is. Yeah, who helped us out today. He did. Mm -hmm. And as you said, mm -hmm. I told him I loved him. You told him you loved yes. him. And you said, I bet I would. So that's like two and a half loves for him. Today. Yes. And you were sure. like, I'm really learning about boundaries and how not to jump into love before right. I'm sure. That's right. That's yeah, that was a really, that was yes. a really astute uh, I think yeah, that's when I fell in love with you. Oh. I was like, that's brilliant. It was brilliant. Part two. Part two. And you know, this, this topic again, it's really huge. Mm -hmm. Like who hasn't experienced jealousy? Yeah. Right. And yeah. so I cannot wait to just let you kind of take this conversation. Of course, we as therapists have thoughts on this. We've worked with people who have jealousy, 
but I'm very curious. One or two. Yeah. One or two yeah. or a million. 5, yeah. That's right. Um, I've so, had my own experiences. Yes. Don't love the feeling. It's awful. It's a really awful. It's gross. To have. Yeah. Like it's and just of icky. Course, yeah. Jealousy isn't something that only happens in polyamorous relationships, right? No. I mean, like it happens Any, in every relationship. Anything, and not even necessarily relationally, right? Like I mean, a million I'm, things. We can I have no problem about. admitting that. You know, my first, uh, I was married to a woman, and then I came out, and who was the mother of my children. Love her very much. But I started dating a dude and I was not ready for all of that. And I remember somebody checking him out while he was bending over playing pool. And I walked up to the guy and I said, that's mine. And I'm like, mm-hmm. Jesus fucking Christ. What are you-? Mm-hmm. And I'm like 25 years old. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. I look back and I'm like, oh, ugly, ugly behavior. Right? But we all know that like visceral urge. We right? do. Like when you we said do. that, I was, I felt that like in my gut, Did you? like in my like, like that's mine like you know what's so funny though all of his us. friends were like that's so hot we want a dog and i'm like well it's not pretty because you know well it's complex it right? is i mean we're we're talking about a developmental need if we want to get therapisty about this Let's like feeling like that feeling of of being like claimed and protected and that's something that we actually need from our parents the felt sense of like you belong like you are part of us not in like an icky controlling way but in a balanced like you have a clear sense like this is yours this is ours relationally together and a lot of us don't get that that is so beautiful and a lot of times like that feeling comes with conditions which is why so many of us end up feeling like we're not enough That's or we right. are only this is where like all the personality disorders develop or mm-hmm. you know when we talk about like different attachment styles mm-hmm. if you grow up thinking that i'm only worthy of love if Right. That's yeah. absolutely it all comes from. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, we do crave that. We do need that. Mm-hmm. And we get really good at ultimately betraying ourselves in order to try to get those needs met. And that's something that I hear even in your response. Like yeah. it's not like in ethics like it's not authentic to who you are necessarily to be like you're mine at that and with that level right like that's really different than like you're mine like we're each other's together right and we're we're playing with that in like a consensual hot sort of like power play sort of way a totally different experience that's right and and that's a that's actually that exact example is a big like root of one of the main ways that jealousy shows up it's like because if you're not mine and somebody else is looking at your ass and likes it then i could lose you (laughs) right like that's the ultimate risk right like i could lose you and that shows up in a million different ways the way we respond to that like we could be like well i don't care like it's not a big deal anyway or like with like a push away which ultimately doesn't get us the closest that we want or the like you're mine i'm gonna claim you in a like controlling and demanding sort of way which also doesn't give us the authentic closeness that we are ultimately looking for that's right but it's really hard in those moments when when that like drive that biological physiological whoosh comes over us when we are having some sort of response like that we all have that experience we have different flavors of it but it's there in everybody and so what do we do i mean jealousy is the a number one thing that comes up when open relationship is talked about people are people will say 
well, I think I would be so jealous I couldn't handle it. Or how do you deal with jealousy? Or like, if you're really evolved enough, should you not feel jealousy at all? Um, like so many things like that, right? Like, but jealousy is an emotion, like anything else. It will move, it will pass, but it's a big one that has a lot of physiology to it. It really like, does. And can create amazing damage to a relationship yeah. if not managed well. Yeah, right? it really, it's like this terrible self-fulfilling prophecy. It is. A lot of times, yeah. like what people try to do to manage that awful feeling yeah. ends up ruining the relationship ultimately, yeah. not the thing mm. that we're jealous about. That's not what is the problem it's like this distraction though it's a really potent distraction do you know what i think about sometimes um i'd be curious to know what the two of you think about this but i just think about you know secure attachment insecure attachment and if we are in a relationship and we're feeling insecure how do we even figure out is that me or is that you like am i a secure person for the most part but there's something about this relationship that makes me feel very insecure yes versus i'm insecure in every single relationship that i'm in and this person has given me absolutely no reason to doubt him or her or them yet here i am feeling all the same feelings that self-fulfilling prophecy Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, what I think about that is absolutely, I mean, right on, because what people have to do in those situations, I do believe you should listen to yourself. And I think it's okay to talk about that experience with your person or persons, no matter what the circumstance are, because being transparent about those feelings and getting some kind of, and this is where it's really critical to going back to your question, like, is it you or is it somebody else? If your person or persons in your life can respond to that and acknowledge that I know what's going on for you. I'm sorry you're feeling that way. That is not accurate. I'm, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not, you know, and give that affirmation. That's right. It's okay mm-hmm. to need that affirmation mm-hmm. and ask mm-hmm. for what you need. I have, uh, I have a number of clients that I've worked with where there's some insecurity based on trauma or abuse or developmental things, like you said. The things that we need from our childhood in terms of unconditional love and regard and support, mm-hmm. if we don't get that, we're probably going to look for them in maladaptive ways. Mm-hmm. And so if you can and ask, not even realize that we're not even it. realize it because it you feels want, really real and true. Of course right? it does. In and it's moment. okay to check it out. It's okay to ask questions. It's okay to talk to your person in your life or persons again and just kind of check it out because I think that's where you get to the bottom line. Yeah, that's right. Right. Yeah. But if there is that pervasive pattern where you're always wanting to control the person you're with and every relationship has been destroyed due to the self-fulfilling prophecy where your jealousy turns ugly and that turns off the person you're with and you got to move forward, right? Yeah, um, absolutely. I love what you said too, Angela. The reality is jealousy is temporary. Like any other human yeah. emotion, it doesn't mm-hmm. last very long. Mm-hmm. But if you cannot manage that emotion when it comes up and regulate that emotion, That's there's so right. many ways that I might talk about that. Yeah. But Regulating it is going to help you, but there's, oh boy. It's really one of the most destructive emotions. The reactions to it is one of the most destructive emotions. But I love when you asked in there, like, how do I know if it's me? Yeah. Right? Because we often think about jealousy as this, like, god-awful thing we want to avoid because it feels so terrible. But there are different kinds of jealousy and one of the ways that that can be referred to is like rational jealousy and irrational jealousy so one like one of the best things that we can do when we feel jealousy is just to slow the fuck down yeah. like we do not immediately assume that our reaction is true yeah. or accurate that 
and we, but we also don't like completely dismiss it and say that it's completely wrong or bad or judge it or whatever. Slow down. Like this is a red flag. It's telling us something. It's actually really like what's so tricky about it is that it wants us to look at the flag and say the flag is the problem, but it's actually a beautiful gift. Oh, it's such a fucked up therapist thing to say. I hear myself. It's but an opportunity. It's an opportunity. <laughs> yes. Abundance. So they look below. <laughs> like there's something really important that does deserve to be tended to right. going on below. Yeah. And that might be, if it's rational jealousy, that might actually be your own body alarm saying like something here is off for real, for real. Yeah. Like something is trespassing a boundary yeah. of my own and it doesn't feel good. And we want to listen to That's that. Right. Like that is an important thing to interrogate. Yeah. And there's so many nuances in relationships of all kinds that that can be hard to suss out sometimes. Like this is a place where it can be valuable to like get feedback from somebody who does their own healing work yeah. ideally yeah. Yeah. or like take to therapy or something like that to help because like this is really confusing for everybody. Like even therapists who like know this stuff like absolutely when, when all of our shits collapsed into like one that's big right. ball it's really hard to pull all the threads apart and really understand what's going on that's just a human experience well, it's not something wrong with you oftentimes with jealousy and rage right that feels so like we feel so righteous in our ability mm -hmm. to like feel the feelings, which also often I think we point to other people yes. that are making us feel yes. that way. Yep. And I blame think here saying, comes blame. Right, yep. it's that that is a opportunity to kind of dig deep because usually what happens beneath the surface of those visceral like oh gut punch feelings is there's a lot of really tender yeah. vulnerable soft stuff in there that yeah. we need to sit with to figure yeah. out like what are the boundaries or what is upsetting about this right. to me and totally you know the interesting thing about you know acknowledging that this is a very human experience it's why i always say it's okay to acknowledge that and it is okay to communicate that feeling which has you know at some point has to be expressed in some way but the other thing i tell people is that you know whether it's jealousy whether it's grief whether it's anger whether it's whatever i tell people oftentimes just lay on the bed and let those and, and know where that feeling is in your body mm. and just start breathing and acknowledge it because it will not kill you I love mm -hmm. that, Doug. Well, mm -hmm. and eventually it goes away because mm -hmm. there is that mind-body connection, right? Mm -hmm. and so if you can just say, I feel this way right now, I'm going to sit in bed and just let let some breathing happen. Mm -hmm. Breathing being really important because I think mm -hmm. jealousy oftentimes entails no more breathing, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Sure. Like shallow breathing. I sure. have so many people in my office. I'm like, okay, take a breath because I don't think you're breathing. Right. Yeah. I tell um, that to I'm like, I feel like you're three shallow breaths away from a panic attack right now. <laughs> I mean, like, let's just right? get back And jealousy is hard. It's totally. painful. Totally, right. totally. It brings out our like big, I love to use the word righteous, like our big righteous, defensive, blaming teenage right. parts. Like here they come, like you big and loud. You did this to me. Yeah, well, exactly. and the other piece that's like, interesting about the example I gave before, I remember saying, I can, I can tell you where I was in that bar where I said, that's mine. That's um, mine. Not again, even like the human. It was, like, I that know, ass. that. That's <laughs> my, right? It was so objectifying, right? And then, you know, friend, like, his friends were so like, oh my God, that's so fucking hot for him to stand up for you. And mm -hmm. I felt, here's the thing about it though. I felt icky afterwards. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. when we react to that and we yeah. don't necessarily do it in a thoughtful way, we yeah. don't feel good about it. Yeah. We're not that's showing right. up the way that we want to show right. So I remember walking down from the saloon in Minneapolis and being like, yeah. 
Yeah, that wasn't good. Yeah. I don't like how I yeah. felt. I don't like how I did that. I don't like that, yeah. you know, I looked it's like really a barbarian. It's really hot when it's consensual. Yeah. <laughs> Which, well, my but... partner at the time did not mind it, I don't think. I mean, I think he kind of liked being... Possessed. I was going to say possessed. I don't Objectified. Know the... But again, like, that yeah. is, like, it, that, that's where, like, all of the nuances of this is so important because yeah. we can say the same words. Yeah. But they are coming from a different place, a different part, a different meaning, a different tone. That's like, right. that tone did not feel good to you. It felt yeah. out of control. It was out of visceral. Control. And it, it wasn't the, like, hot, kinky, I'm claiming you power dynamic thing that's in right. the way that it was coming from you could we change the tone and be grounded in ourselves and say the same thing maybe even with the yeah. same like visceral raw to yeah, it right. yeah and yeah. that's a totally different experience yeah. but we know when and where it's coming from because yeah. we feel that we feel that um can i throw out a random example like a question yeah and maybe like you i believe can... you can I'm going to. I, I feel you. like you are. Hmm? Mutual. Like this is your consensual. podcast with me. So you can <laughs> do what you want with it because we're not fine. So how, but we're trying to be fine every day. Are we? Getting a little more, I don't know. We're trying to be thriving. We could skip I just want to let myself not thriving. be fine sometimes. Well, and then sit on my bed and take some deep breaths. I love that. I know that I, <laughs> I'm sorry oh, I interrupted you. you. What did you? So this is what I'm picturing with like maybe one of a million examples, mm -hmm. right? But. So let's say you're in a situation where you and your primary partner have decided you want to open up the relationship and mm -hmm. you have both agreed you feel good about this mm -hmm. in theory. Mm -hmm. And so that's fine. Right. It, right. And then somebody, so someone is now joining us mm -hmm. and there is much more of a connection with one than the other. And maybe the, I don't know that, well, like, how would you navigate a scenario where practice feels much different than the fantasy that yeah. you had and it isn't feeling good or you feel left out or you yeah. feel like, oh my God, the love of my life is like really connecting and they're having the time of their lives, but I'm not able to dig into any sort of compersion here. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little, like, so what do you do in that situation? Yeah. Also, in general, with jealousy, we tend to think that there are like three options and ways to go with jealousy. There's a critical fourth one that's often missed, but the first way that it sometimes shows up. So, okay, so you described a scenario where it's a couple, they bring in a third, it's going to be so great because everything is going to be really equal, yeah. so we're not going to have any hard feelings. And then it's not equal. Like somebody feels different and some, there's more of a connection maybe or or maybe somebody actually like thought they were going to be into it and then they weren't right. or you know there's a million things that could come up in there right so what do we do the first thing that people or one of the things that people often do is they try to like really bring it back to themselves like maybe they know some stuff about jealousy and they start to try to like they're like okay i'm not the boss of my partner like i'm not supposed to take my stuff out on them so i'm gonna right. like right. squash it down and like suffer in silence though. oh not so Which great not actually not like but short term it may give you some positive outcomes because a little partner, you make yeah, yeah because your partner is getting to continue to do something that they want to be doing yeah. that feels good you're yeah. showing up like the supportive partner and like that seems on the surface like maybe it's a good tactic to take but that 
is something that if it really isn't yours and it really doesn't feel good and we don't talk about it in any way, shape or form, then that is going to build resentment. And resentment is one of the worst things that it's relationships true. can come, like can have, like oh, it will goodness. kill a relationship. It will kill a relationship. In fact, when I do relationship work, I oftentimes the first homework assignment will be make a list of all your resentments that are That's unresolved, right. that have not been adequately addressed That's in your right. relationship. And everyone laughs and says, I'll get three notebooks. And yep. I'm like, okay. Absolutely. You know, because we'll be here a while. Absolutely. I know yeah. And my favorite definition it's my favorite with my therapist hat on i fucking hate it with yeah. my like angela person hat on <laughs> but my favorite definition of resentment pmlody says that it's yeah. victim anger and that we are very rarely actually victims <gasps> that's really powerful it's very clear powerful. when yeah. we're a victim like we're attacked on the street or something then obviously like we are a victim like we are not contributing to our own harm in that sort of way mm. but a lot of times we put ourselves into the victim position by doing things that we know we don't want to do right mm. and then we get real resentful and, and I, we well, blame the other person that's right and i like picturing this exact same scenario that what happens i'm imagining what happens a lot with the couples i talk to is if you are swallowing down this horrible feeling and your partner doesn't notice that's right and they keep doing whatever it is they're doing right. that is even more resentment mm -hmm. right because you that's haven't right. spoken up and they're having the time of their lives and they're not noticing that you're not that's happy right. so it makes us feel yes well, and then we're like big in our story right absolutely like, they should know obviously they know they, they could read me it. we're so like close or like i'm giving out these little passive aggressive hints don't they so like, that's it you know right. right like it's so many ways and it can be hard to identify this one in some ways because yeah. it can be like no, I'm just trying to be the good partner. I'm trying to be responsible for my own stuff and not put it on my partner. But like inadvertently, that is exactly what we're end ending up doing. Yeah. And long term, that is a recipe for disaster. So that's one way yeah. that jealousy that we might handle jealousy initially. Another way is going to come with immediate rule. Okay, that that didn't feel good. It's not on the table anymore. But is this no. after the experience or during? Maybe both. Okay. But either way, yep. it might be like, nope, no, nope. like, I don't like it. I thought that was going to be okay, but nope, it's not. So now we have a rule: you're not allowed. Okay. And yeah. that feel that control, that illusion of control, right? Like, can calm us down for a second, but it's not relational, and it's not like taking That's anybody else's point. feelings or experience into consideration either. And it's oftentimes really unrealistic to maintain those kinds of roles um, without there being some significant harm That's somewhere right. else. So it doesn't actually get to the heart of the matter either. It's that it's again, it's like That's believing right. what that red flag said was true at yep. the top instead of looking underneath for what's really under there. So we go to rules, we go to veto power is a big one that's often talked about. Yep. Like I can say like a unilateral no um, to something. And it's, it's nuanced, right? Because it's not that you have to agree to everything. That's not what we're saying. It's about the tone, the where is it coming from, right. the nuance of all of well, it. Well, because I there. can picture a scenario that if the person feeling bad or left out comes to the table and says, you guys, I really 
thought I was gonna be okay with this. I wanna be okay with this, but I think I'm beyond my capacity to accept that this is what's happening. I'm having, I'm all sorts of in my feels right now. And Mm -hmm. like, I'm owning that. I said that this would be okay, but it's really not feeling okay. I feel Mm -hmm. like that's maybe a better way to approach that conversation, even in the moment. Spoiler alert, you're going (laughs) to the one that people don't often consider actually. Option four. So option three is break up. Right? We're not yep. compatible. This yep. doesn't work. Like right. clearly, clearly this doesn't work. We don't want the same thing. So we shouldn't be together. That feels so premature. But yeah, if yes. the red flag is big enough and if you're not looking at your own shit, then option three feels yeah. like the only Well, option. and it, I think this is the critical thing. It feels right. Like yep. I want this feeling to end. Yeah. What can I do? Break up. Yeah. You know, and it's interesting because one of the things that we're gonna talk about here is when you communicate something like this doesn't work for me and you can kind of go to that rule oriented place. The question is if the other person agrees with you versus disagrees with you, right. like, what do you do in the case? Right. Like do the two of you. And, and I would right. say, of course, based on everything we've talked about thus far, the important part is to continue that communication and to continue to have negotiation toward a compromise. Right. Yeah. But the real issue is, and this is where maybe that option comes in of breaking up is when you cannot reach consensus. That's right. Mm. When you just do not want the same things anymore. That's right. Right. But that is really different yep. than the knee jerk. That's correct. Yep. Right. Absolutely. Just like we talked about before with the, like, that's mine. Yep. That would be the knee jerk. Right. Like, so proud of that. Get out. Right? Yeah, We've all got one. Sure. We've all yeah, got yeah. one. It's yes. so gross. Yes. It feels gross. Yeah. If you're healthy, generally. And it is appropriate it to say, you know, it wasn't that. That. He, that's like, mine. It was, mm-hmm. <laughs> that ass that may or may not be attached to that human mm-hmm. is mine. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, I don't know that there's a person on the earth that hasn't had that I, literal yep. response, actually, yeah, at right. some point, internally or externally. Right. They may not have had an audience for it like you did, but like, it's it's happening like that is a universal experience for sure option four so option four is the one that people often don't even consider actually like there is another option you don't have to just like swallow it and and have it all be on you you don't have to like make a rule to try to control it externally and you don't have to end the relationship as any of those three is a knee-jerk reaction there is this next step where you come in and do exactly what you named. Like that was a perfect example of like owning your own experience of it. I did not hear any of the like, you You. did this or like, because you were da 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 da, you made me feel da da da. You said, whoa, like I thought this was gonna be okay. Maybe I even want it to be okay. But the reality of this present moment is that it doesn't feel okay. And and then what, right? Then it often helps to have maybe some kind of ask to go with that. Even yeah. like there might be an ask for the moment of like, can we take a break for a minute? Like, can we all just like have some fresh air, yeah. get a drink of water, you know, just like step away for a minute. Regulate our nervous system. Regulate our nervous system, exactly, with the super basics, right? Like that is not the moment to get into the big long-term conversation about this 
that is the moment to just pause. The other thing that I would say, and let's talk about substances for a second. Yeah. Minnesota just legalized yes. marijuana, but I would encourage everybody to be sober when they have those conversations. Absolutely. It's really easy to go into a slippery slope and have a conversation when you've been having a couple cocktails or Absolutely. feeling a little bit more courageous to say what yes. you want to say with the assistance of a substance and slippery slope. Which and that's not the time. Oh, no problem. Yep. Yes. In a big yeah. way. Yes. Yep. I mean, it's nuanced, right? It like is. sometimes yeah. a drink can be helpful to say that scary thing that you can't bring yourself to say. But again, with the nuance, where's yeah. the tipping point yeah. from, okay, you got, you just yeah. took the edge yeah. off that anxiety versus like, I'm really not actually in control of all of my faculties right. and like actually able to ethically consent That's to right. what's going to come next. Oh, 100%. I mean, <laughs> Would this feel like a good segue into just the question of consensus in general? Like, how do people even, like, if you're talking, like, to three different people or four different people, how, how do you even ask for the things that you want or agree on the things that you want? It's already hard enough to negotiate this with two people. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that's where, that's where I come back to saying, like, it's a lot of work, right? Yeah, like it is people, you know, people picture like polyamory is basically just like one big orgy and like it can be in like a moment <laughs> in time, but like probably night, it, that orgy like well done took like 42 hours of communication between eight different people that, in ways that are like not the sexy dream that you have in your head. like that's just the reality of being a person. Yeah. If you want to have like ongoing connection in yeah. particular with somebody else, if you're just looking for like a one night something, then like you don't have to do all that in right. the same that's way. Right. Like there yeah. are other yeah. things you should negotiate, but like it's different. You don't have to go to these deep levels in the same way. And so like that becomes really critical. And it's just, oh, it is a lot of like, can I hold my own feelings about yep, all of this, right? right? Yeah. Because you're not going to get everything that you want. And there may be a lot of times there's, this happens in monogamy too. It's just that there's more opportunity for it, the more people you add in. And so, yeah, just like it might be hard. It might be a lot easier to choose a restaurant with one friend that you're meeting That's up right. with. Yep. And even that can be tricky sometimes, yep. right? Like, but if you're adding six people, like that's a lot more negotiation in different ways. And so how do I handle disappointment? Disappointment's a real hot button emotion for people too. People get really reactive about disappointment. Um, in ways that are way old, usually like that's what I was going to say. Very developmental you hear, you, you hear trauma. Your parent is disappointed. It's a it's a wound. Yeah, like, yeah. You don't want to disappoint yeah. the people who you need love from and you yes. need you know care from on yes. a consistent basis. So people who right. are shame based and like yeah. fall to shame as a like norm yeah. can really get themselves in trouble like, in yeah. in in relationships with multiple people because there's just because you can't people please at that level right. you know like it's hurtful and harmful enough in a one-on-one -on -one sort of way but 
when you're trying to do that with multiple people, like it crashes and burns really quickly. And so, yeah, like how, how do we like sit in our feelings of like, oh, wow, I really wanted that, but I can't have it. Which and, I think is like, the, I think about every couple I've ever talked to and yeah. even just the idea that you can't always get what you're asking for is really hard. Totally. On some basic level, because yeah. there is again that feeling of like, but I want this thing. Mm -hmm. And if mm -hmm. someone isn't comfortable with it. Yeah. And lots of things bring up all our attachment shit. Oh my and God. Like, it's like, it doesn't become this want, it becomes a need at this visceral level. Like, we might feel like we're going to die if we don't get it. Like, we might really feel that way. That's real. Absolutely. And, and we, that's not how it works. Like, we are not entitled to somebody else's time, to their body, to mm -hmm. their attention, like any of those things. That's right. Like, it starts with ourself yeah. and then we can branch off from there. And so there, there is a lot of important stuff to negotiate and the beauty on the flip side, you know, we're talking about a lot of the hard stuff here. Right. The flip side is that in the context of an open relationship, we also have some opportunities to get more of our needs met potentially when there's this like, I mean, if we go back to like personal experience yeah. stuff, I was like so fucking excited yes. that my that my wife's girlfriend loved scary movies because I hate oh God, being yes. scared yeah. in scary movies, and she lived for it. And I always felt kind of bad that I wouldn't do it with her because I can't, like I really can't. But I was like, fuck yes, like you like, go live your best oh life, like have so much fun. How can I? support this you know it goes to that proverbial like, sort of statement that you know we can't be one thing we can't be everything right. to one person that's right and so we have that's to right. find those things sometimes outside of the relationship yes and obviously we're talking about a different sort of loving relationship when we talk about polyamory but mm -hmm. a lot of people look at their friends uh to get that's some of right. those things met as well absolutely it's, it's normal in our normal. we, we understand that concept we and it's normal no, in yeah. our friend world like in yeah i have a friend that person. do this and i have to do yeah. you know whatever we can have that in relationship yeah. too it's beautiful and it makes so much sense. Mm -hmm. One yes. of the things too that, you know, as we take a look at kind of things we want to cover in this episode, I think sometimes what creates some security in a relationship is when the relationship is public and the relationship mm -hmm. is open to families, friends, colleagues. What do you recommend? What have you experienced? And you talked a little bit about this the last episode, but how do people yeah. come out to those people and how do you yeah. how do you do that? It's really complex to be honest, because there's kind of like the side where we talk about our feelings yeah. about yeah. it all. Yeah. And then there's the side where we talk about legalities of it all. Hmm. Um, and I yeah. really want to put some some focus on the legalities of it all, because I think like if you have not had an identity that has required you to be hidden in some sort of way or that it is not protected in some sort of way legally then you may be really oblivious to even the thought of this that's right like it is which is a privilege in and of itself but i find a lot that straight people in particular like they just haven't had to think about this before and yeah. so like can miss some of the nuances of this yeah. um without like being fear-mongering in any way. I think it is really important for people to know that polyamory or relationships with multiple people, they're not a protected class in any way in terms of discrimination, especially around like the workplace. So you can be fired if your boss or people at your job know that you are in a relationship with multiple people, what? even as consenting adults. It's not illegal. I mean, 
merit legal marriage to more than one person is not legal mm-hmm. but spiritual marriage or not marriage just relationships with multiple people is not technically illegal but it's also not protected and there is a lot of stigma and judgment and assumptions about any sort of like identity outside of like straight monogamy Mm -hmm. there is a creepy like focus on sex and like obsession almost on sex and there is precedent that people have lost custody of children for being out and open about having multiple partners um because the other parent thinks that's like depraved or unsafe for Mm -hmm. children in some sort of way like this does actually happen there are a lot of people who are working on this, fighting this. There's a lot of activism around this. There has now been a few cases where, like, there are three parents on an adoption certificate, which is mm. very rare, but it's, like, starting to happen. Yeah. There are lawyers who specialize in helping folks set up, like, how do you set up a will? Yeah. How do you set up, like, who gets to visit you in a hospital? Like, our whole system is set up for monogamous marriage you get a plus one to an event you you know like ever it's so when 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 you start to like notice it and think about it it's actually really shocking how that constant assumption is there and you're not in the privileged class you notice every little part of the system that isn't set up for you that's right because they're coming for you and like LGBTQ people are used to that a little bit more, being aware of that in different ways, but they may also still not know that right. this could be a risk. And, you know, it's it's not a risk everywhere. Like, I'm not saying that people shouldn't come out, but I am saying that people should do a real risk assessment about mm-hmm. their own individual circumstances. Yeah. Like, if you work for somebody else, like what kind of company do you work for? Are there any other people that are out and open in that way? If you co-parent with somebody that you're not married to that might have really different belief systems, like where does all of that stand? Like it is important to be strategic about it. It is not like being dramatic or over analyzing or something to consider the risk. There's a lot of risk in some situations. Yes. Well, Angela, you referenced in the first episode that you did with us that you grew up in rural Minnesota. I did as well in a very Mm -hmm. conservative county, Mm -hmm. uh, maybe the most conservative county that there is in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. Um, And just that's not a discussion that happens Mm -hmm. in a very Catholic um, parochial sort of That's community, right. right? That's right. And so being able to do that at, for us in the Twin Cities or for any major city in the U.S., it's a much easier process as well. Finding supportive people, finding allies, finding supportive agencies to work for, it's housing options, etc. Yes. All of those resources yes. are more available in larger larger cities. That's right. Which is really unfortunate because there's such beauty in rural communities as well. Mm-hmm. I miss part of it. I miss, yeah. I miss the crackling snow of my parents' farms. So, yeah, I mean, There's so many different pieces of this puzzle, but you know, creating that sort of risk assessment yes. is so different for those of us who have some flexibility to do that. Yes, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And you know, then, then we talk about like the feelings aspect yeah. of yeah. it, right? Yeah. Like there is, I mean, there's a plenty of research about what being in the closet about an identity does to a person and it's not 
arguable. It's, it's awful. Like it's got terrible detrimental effects on people when we have to hide like our authenticity, yep. especially when we have to like, we're talking about hiding our love with this topic. That's right. right? Like really, really hiding sad. our love. Which is who we are. Which is who we are. It's the best part of who we are. That's I right. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And what's interesting, Angela, of course, your website and your practice, The Courageous Truth, is such an interesting way. I like what a beautiful yeah. phrase that is. Mm -hmm. And wouldn't it be great if everyone could have their truth and be free to express that truth yes. without even needing to be courageous? Yes, absolutely. Just be able to be yourself absolutely. and express who that is in an open way. Yes. Yeah. And that was one of the reasons that I chose to be more public and continue to be more public as a self-employed person. Yeah. I don't have the risk of work. My right. child's father went on to be polyamorous, though like he lives a very out happy poly life so i don't no have to worry about that over there um so i had a lot of privilege to be yeah. able to be a spokesperson in certain ways or, or educating in different ways without that risk um but not everybody has that <clears throat> and then with feelings like obviously there's our own like, individual impact of yeah. not being able to share something and just even the, the very important ripple effects that that has, like you're dating somebody, you're excited about them. This is like a meaningful, lovely experience. And wh what does your best friend think you did on Friday night? And do yeah. you have to like, just not talk about it? Do you have to make something up? It's like, like falling in love in a vacuum, yes, all alone in yes. a small little dark closet yes. where you can't share the joy right. with anyone else. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. That that has impacts in different ways. For other people, you know, similar kind of risk benefit around feelings too, about like safety and financial support of families in different ways, especially if you're younger and still reliant on that. But then there's other like kind of sneaky things that we don't think about. Like, okay, let's say we decide we're not gonna be out for whatever reason. That's what we've landed on. We're not gonna be out. But then we're on a date in the city where we live, which seems really big until you're on a date with somebody that's not your partner. And that's then exactly all of a right. sudden, you see it's Everybody tiny. Exactly. Yeah. And there's this like, what are they going to think? Like, you know, what are we doing on that date? Is it just like, could it just pass as like a coffee with a friend? Or is it a place where like there's some tangible energy or maybe even some like actual PDA happening in some sort of way? And then they're gonna think you're cheating. But like, then it's like immediately you are sucked out of being able to enjoy that moment with this person because yes. you are worried about what everyone else is thinking yes. about you. Yes. Which is a, which could sound like it's an individual problem, but I would just really want to hold it. That's systemic yeah. bullshit or bring put on an individual and yeah, make the right. individual feel like it's theirs right. when it's not actually, because there really shouldn't be any reason why you can't be out loving, putting like loving energy into the world, having a good time with somebody that you care about, that everybody is consenting around. Mm -hmm. Like that is a systemic problem that is being put on individuals mm -hmm. and it's not okay. And it's the reality that we live in right now. Like, what is it? how do you date? A lot of people go on a dating app, right? Yeah. Like 
there, if you get on dating apps, you will see some people don't have like face pictures in different ways. And it's not just because it's all about the dick. Like, what? I know, right? I'm so sorry for everything that I've previously thought and accused you of in the past. Thank you. Will you tell us a little bit? Do I need to keep apologizing? No, you don't need to keep apologizing, nor, <laughs> nor should you elaborate at the moment. Oh, yeah, totally. I was like, I've got so much more to say about that, but maybe that will be for later. Question for you. Mm -hmm. So I feel like you can't even put an umbrella over how the monogamous community, what does that even mean, yeah. does breakups. Mm -hmm. But in, in my head, I feel like there might be something a little bit more maybe simplistic or like clean cut. It's like the end of this one, mourning, mm -hmm. grieving, mm -hmm. moving on mm -hmm. to the next person. Yeah. So like, can you tell us a little bit about how does this, how do breakups look potentially? I'm sure it is. Yeah so many different possibilities. Yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, there are so many different possibilities. I think, you know, first we have like one kind of breakup might be of that like primary relationship right. if there was one, especially yeah. if there had been like an established monogamous relationship that then opened up. And if it ends, you know, like if there was an established relationship that stayed monogamous that ended, right? Like people are going to have a mix of feelings depending upon their relationships and what was happening. Um, but generally you won't get a lot of like, you asked for this mm. or this was inevitable. Like you did something to fuck this up. Like mm. really clearly, yeah. like you made a bad choice or something like, which you may get some of like people being like, yeah, I'm not surprised or I'm not, and not have the same like empathy that Absolutely. you might get when the breakup of a monogamous relationship and recognition of your grief and your and loss. recognition right. of your grief and your loss and this like blaming the wrong thing right like similar with jealous like we're gonna blame the polyamory that's right, right. For why right. it ends right. then there's also sort of like what i touched on briefly in the last episode of like then you're contributing to this like failure narrative that's that like polyamory can't work. That's right. right? Which people when, are clearly not looking at the statistics around monogamy. That's like, the thing that always just blows me away. Like, like are you kidding? Like, yeah. we don't have a lot of shit. It's amazing that relationships last more than 10 minutes, like I ever, know. like monogamous or otherwise. That's like it's a pretty yeah. damn big deal if we had one for a little while, no matter what kind of it is. Like, <laughs> I've, always, I've always joked about uh, my daughter in, uh, LA in the film industry, I've always said she should do a show based on marriages or relationships that have a 10 year cap. And then mm -hmm. at 10 years, you get to decide what to do. Mm -hmm. like renegotiate mm -hmm. the terms. Renegotiate the, the terms. Do I either still no like fault, you? no foul. You know, you just yes. kind of walk away without any of those yes. legalities that yes. we put people through in a really horrible way in this culture. Yes. Right? And we let people decide. Yeah. Because there's so many around 10 years that I think really hit that sort of point at which they they would they would make a decision to leave i think mm -hmm. it's a seven year you think seven mm -hmm. let's do I'm seven go years 10. i really like the idea of just like or nine whoever's been together that long yeah we all want to see what they decide do we throw in I know. some temptations or like i mean i no. feel like this is kind of like the ultimatum on netflix oh but, damn it someone already um, came up with it it's very it's similar but not the same but I don't know. Yes. <laughs> we don't know. But, but what Maybe. you're talking about actually yeah. is something really important that like in compulsory monogamy that we don't think about or choose, yeah. we assume that that's not happening. 
but it is. Mm-hmm. You're choosing to That's stay right. in that relationship right. every single day, sometimes every fucking second when you're real mad, right? Mm-hmm. Like no, monogamous or otherwise, but polyamory puts that in the open. Yeah. Instead of pretending like that doesn't exist and giving us this like false sense of control. Oh my gosh, yeah. When it's a false sense of control. And some people can't tolerate that, right? Like they need to be able to like just dissociate from that really and not look at that every day. And monogamy can sometimes give a safe facade of that because you're not it's not seen as quite as active because there's not like another person Mm. there like that's actively like ready and able to engage in some sort of way, but it's still happening Mm -hmm. every day, whether we're naming it or not, it's absolutely happening. That's fascinating. And so true. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I want to go back to, I mean, Tali, you asked the question about like a breakup and whatnot um, and how to navigate that. And, you know, people are going to respond differently. And I always want to remind people that people have a hard time acknowledging loss for people. They don't know what to say. I've had people tell me that, you know, some really interesting responses to people losing a loved one and whatnot that just are a little bit harsh. Um, God's will does not work very well for a lot of people. So, you know, that's one of the things. But I'm more curious when you establish a relationship where there is a primary and secondary. Yes. And we call that a metamor, is that right? Yep. yep. You know, and how does the primary person who's not in that relationship communicate with that person? Right? Yeah. I want to yeah. know so much more. I know. It's thoughts? like it's really complex. Well, it's right? Like, yeah, like, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, I that's what I I wanted to really circle back to like that unique, different sort of position and loss, because first of all, like, again, if like a secondary relationship ends, um, first of all, like, are we out or not out about that? Right. So if like, we're not out about that, then we're really suffering alone with no recognition of that relationship. And it may be really confusing to people around us. It could be, you might need time off of work or something, or you're just not yourself because you're grieving, you know? And it's that ambiguous loss that like isn't recognized. And that's really painful. It just kind of piles on all of the other ways that we're not attuned to and, and affirmed in those sorts of ways. Right. Then if we are out, we may also get some of the same stuff we got in the first, like with like, well, it's never going to work anyway. Or like, was this, but it's not, but you have the other person or like, you know, just things that they do not understand the depth and importance of that relationship. And then you have the dynamic of, well, that was maybe between me and you, but you two have your own relationship right. that's separate or different. And well. maybe they weren't ready to part and ways. And they were maybe not ready to part ways. And so again, that's another ne- place for negotiation. Like, what is the meaning that I make? Because that, that's where the pip, like, right? Because I think the the risk there is like, if if you broke up with me and then you're talking to my partner or my partner's talking to the person that broke up with me. That's right. That's right for making stories about what that means, right? Like narrative of like really describe that of like the making story. Oh yeah. Like that might like my partner loves them more, they're not loyal or they're disrespectful or so many different ways that that could go because I'm really centering my like no differentiation, like you're saying, like what my partner does directly reflects on me in some sort of way. And and it gets really, really complex. There's also the like, 
that primary person then is with a partner who's grieving. And how do we be a supportive partner to our partner that's grieving somebody else? Which also might make one feel a little jealous and insecure. I'm imagining like, I'm right here. And why are you so sad about this person? Would you be that sad about me? Right. And, And when we're grieving, like, I mean, everybody's different, but I think more often than not, we don't feel a lot of sexual desire usually, mm-hmm. um, or there might or maybe low energy, you know, like we're not going to be like right, ready to be like our normal, like social or sexual selves usually, like we need a minute, but right. th- and that also then, but then that relationship is carrying some of that weight and impact of that. And somebody may have to wait for a while to have sex with their partner, for example, yeah, which course. is yep. complex, yep. right? Like really complex. So there's, there's just so many layers to that, that become really complex and just aren't seen and understood very well. Oh my God, Angela, you are so remarkable. I mean, just in terms of like the work that you're doing and the way that you're conceptualizing these really complicated things. And I feel like you have so much compassion and empathy for everyone in every position in all of these scenarios of loving like it's hard to be a person and it's hard to love and it's hard to lose and i mean and it's hard to be jealous and it's all those yeah. things that we're talking about. yeah things. absolutely right. absolutely this was so, i i mean mind blown again i just feel like it's such an interesting topic that I had no idea. I didn't even know the questions to ask. And so yeah. this was just yeah. incredibly informative. Yeah, it always is. It's there's, there's so much. And there's will so you much. Plug yourself again yes. and tell us like, where can people find you? Yeah, the best way to find me is my website, which is the courageous truth.com. And I do individual therapy and individual and relational coaching in different forms and specialize in helping people navigate non-monogamy in that relational practice. I'm also just thrilled to now know you and have a resource mm, absolutely. and a community. And- I, I was just going to say, there's no question that this conversation could keep going in a number of different directions and have yes. different avenues. You know, even yes. as you and I consulted that first time on coming to the podcast. Yeah. I mean, we didn't even really talk about sex. I know we did not talk about sex. <laughs> and so sex becomes something. And by the way, you know, you referenced kink at yeah. some point. And I want to yeah. talk about those communities, how to feel unashamed and how to explore Absolutely. those things safely and consensually. Um, and we have a vibrant uh, kink community across the U.S. in different in different ways. Mm-hmm. So we want to talk about that next too. So that's kind of a bit of a teaser for all of you. Um, and we'd love to have you back. Yeah. Yeah. You speak so compassionately about, as you said before, any part of any relationship, you have an intelligent way of looking at things that I think makes sense to probably everyone who works with you. So thank you so much for being with us today. Absolutely. So grateful. My pleasure. And thank you everybody for tuning in and hopping on. And we hope that you got some value out of this because I know that that we did that we did so love y'all and we will see you next time see you soon bye